You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. And we'll get right into it this morning. Glory to God. Half the church is on vacation. Like every week, it's a different group that comes except for the staples. You know, the ones that are, what do you call them, H? The peanut butter crowd? They never leave. They just stick to your mouth. Good to see you, Orly. Good to see you, brother, back there. God bless you, brother. Looking around, see who's here. Miss Moss, good to see you this morning. I'll I'll do all that. The whole hour will go, right? And I'll just say hi to everybody. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for the word. We thank you for the church. Church alive, God. Not just church religion, not just church organization, but a church that is breathing, that's moving that is in rhythm to the things of the Spirit. And I just thank you for the presence of God that's in this house. Thank you for the worship, Lord, that was just so tuned in to what the Spirit wants for us. And I just thank you, Father. Signs, wonders, miracles. I thank you for healings throughout, even as we minister the Word. People are being healed, delivered, and set free. We give you glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 You know, one of the things that I'm, you've been, you've been hearing me that, you know, say this quite a bit, but I'm so hungry, you know, for, for the supernatural, but not... Not just the supernatural, the, the correct supernatural, right? The, the move of the Holy Spirit in a church, the move of the Holy Spirit within our lives. And, you know, the, it's, it's, I keep saying, I've been saying this to a few people this week, you know, the more you know, you know, you've been doing this almost 30 years, and it seems like you know a lot, and then you find out how much you don't know. Because God is like that, you know, God is so multifaceted that, and, and this has really been kind of my journey for the last few weeks, because... You know, I've really liked the subject of the Holy Spirit, and I really like the subject of the church. Those are actually, you know, if I had to pick three favorite subjects that I like to, I just, you know, really enjoy is, of course, faith, the Holy Spirit, and I, and I believe in the church. You know, I really think the church is the answer for the world. And, of course, one of the biggest problems the church has is really they don't know what the church is. Even the church doesn't know what the church is, you know. So we've been tackling that in the last few weeks, and, and I want to... What I believe the Lord gave me this morning, I want you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to dive right into it. So last week we talked about the Holy Spirit and the church, and I'm calling this part two. The part two will simply be the Holy Spirit in the church, in the church. And so we learned last week that the the church without the Holy Spirit cannot function. Can you say amen to that? You know, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the presence of God. And, you know, what happened? So we're going to look at it a little bit historically. We're going to go into, you know, we're going to kind of dig. And it's amazing. I had like, you guys should see what my sermon prep is. My sermon prep is usually I think about stuff. And I'll be working. And we had a crazy busy week this week. Oh, my gosh. We've been working every single day. And thank God I have work, you know, because if you, if you don't have work, you don't have money. If you don't have money, you can't buy V-Bucks. Most of you know what I'm talking about. That's all right. What is a V-Buck? Don't worry. It's a Fortnite thing, all right? Just don't worry about it. You know, that's, who I, that's where I'm at. And, um, you know, so but while I'm working, I'm thinking, you know, so I'm, even though I'm working, I'm, I'm meditating, and I have these ideas, and I'm like, yeah, that's good. And, and if, it's a, if, you know, if it's an idea that I know the Holy Spirit, I'll try to put a note on my phone and 
or try to remember it, and then usually that doesn't work out too good, because then I'll forget, well, what was that really good thought I had? So I try to write it down, and it just kind of comes together, and I kind of had an idea of where the direction was, and then it was like Friday night, it kind of, it was still the foundation, but it shifted a little bit, and, and it's really good, you know, I think um, you're going to get a lot out of it. But we really have to understand this, you know, this is the thing, because you guys are here Sunday morning, you're in the church, and most of you come every week, and, you know, some of, some of us have been doing it for many years, day, you know, every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday you're here. And if you're not careful, then you kind of forget, you know, it's, it's easy for that to get blurred out of the, the why. And, and remember this, you know, for everything in, in, in life, you always really have to find the why you do things, right? You know, why are we here this morning? Why, you know, everything, you know, why are you a parent? Why are you a parent? Why are you a husband? Why are you a wife? You know, why are you a, a, you know, a child? Or, you know, you just, there's, there's purpose in everything. And I think it's been a, a really a big mistake what has happened in the church, because this, this has bugged me ever since I was a little kid. What I'm going to share this morning is one of those things that has bugged me. Now, remember, I grew up in Christian schools, and I was like going to church every day. At least my version of Christian school was. You know, every subject was taught with the Bible, and, and it's fine. And I like those foundations. You know, I, I thank God for the foundations that God gave me, you know, by attending a Christian school. I didn't like it when I was in the Christian school, I'll be honest with you. You know, I couldn't, you know, get away from there fast enough, but now I look back and I, I know that was part of God's plan to set a really good foundation to me. But it, but it kept bugging me because we, we come into the book of Acts, and the book of Acts, by the way, I just recommend, if you guys want something to read in the summer, find a really good translation, you know, Passion Translation, NIV, you know, something that, a message translation, something that's easy to read for you, and just read the book of Acts, I'm telling you, because it's the history of us. Everybody say, the history of us. That's what it is. You know, we, we are still writing the book of Acts. You know, we are a continuance of the book of Acts. I like what Pastor Yoel always says in Cuba. You know, he talks about our church. And, and one, of the, one of the references he uses to Faithway, he says, Faithway is part of the history of the church in Cuba. And he always says that, you know, and I, and I find that very interesting because the book of Acts is still being written. You know, I don't know if when we get to heaven, we get to, and it's been written since the day of Pentecost. So the book of Acts does not stop with the last chapter and you start reading the book of Romans, the book of Acts is on today. So it would be very helpful for you and your family, I mean, because it's just so saturated with power, and that's what used to bug me, because in Christian circles, we use a little phrase that I think is incorrect. I'm, you know, I'm going to correct it myself, you know, nobody else corrects it. They would always talk about the book of Acts, they'd say the primitive church. How many have heard that? The primitive church. Meaning, and not meaning primitive because they were a bunch of cavemen, but, you know, primitive that it was the beginning but the word primitive seems like it was backwards. Amen? You know, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, you're acting very primitive, it's not like a compliment, right? You know, it's like, you know, come up. And, and we would look and say, well, we're in the modern church. And then I would look at the primitive church, and we'd look at the modern church. Well, the primitive church had, was full of power. I'm talking like major stuff, not, you know, somebody's got, got healed of a, you know, a nosebleed. I mean, it was, it was like really amazing stuff. So my question is, where did we lose it? When did we become so sophisticated within the church over the last, you know, 2,500 years or so? Well, not, not 2,500, so, you know, 2,000, you know, approximately 20 years since we called the church, the church. Um, where did, where, you know, where in, in this time frame did we get so educated in theology and in religion that the power left the church? Because I don't know about you, you know, you can... You can know everything about the Bible there is to know. 
You can know more than any, you know, you can just dedicate your whole life to studying and studying and studying. But at the end of the day, if this is not manifested in a real way in your life, you know, you just studied another subject. You could be, you know, you could have a doctorate in biology or a doctor, you know, like Dr. H.H. has or, you know, and that's wonderful. You could get a doctorate in theology and still die sick and still die broke and still have your whole family destroyed by the devil. And you would know a lot of word and you would know a lot about the Bible, but there was no really manifestation into your life. And that's always bothered me because even as a kid, I would look at these miracles, you know, because we'd study these subjects in school. And then I look at our school and, you know, and people, you know, the professors, the teachers, you know, they struggled with, like everybody else, with life. But as in a child's mind, it was almost like a contrast because you say, okay, you know, we're talking about this amazing, powerful chapter. But then when it came to the reality, it wasn't there. And that's really something that, that you know, we've been trying to address the last few days because the, the what is missing is just simply the Holy Spirit. Are you here? You say, well, does the Holy Spirit... And, I, and, you know, this is just, again, I'm just my opinions. You don't have to take notes of this, but my opinion is that if the Holy Spirit is not welcome in a church, he will remove himself from it. That's just my opinion. And how do you make the Holy Spirit welcome? Well, that's another subject, right, for another time. But, but the point of it is, a church without the Holy Spirit is a church that is void of power. And a church that is void of power is just another gathering. It's just another, another thing to do during the week. And, and that's not me. That's not how I'm wired. You know, there has to be a reason to be here this morning. But, you know, at the same time, I thank God for Faithway because if one thing we seek and look for is those testimonies. And if you come, you know, Wednesday nights to prayer and you hear, it's just wonderful because we have a book, you know, we write all our prayer requests and you know, I've never really gone back, but, you, but they'll remember some of the things. And somebody said, well, you remember, Pastor, two weeks ago we prayed for a person that I don't even know. There's just some name they gave me of somebody they knew or somebody that somebody else knew that somebody else knew that somebody else knew in another country. And we will pray for that people, you know, three weeks later, two weeks later, somebody says, oh, let me tell you, that person, their life just got better. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Amen. Um, the praise reports of healings of, of cancer and the powerful testimony that's, that's growing in the church. And again, you know. Most people probably know what I'm talking about, but just out of privacy issues, you know, the, you know, gets a report of leukemia, and then last Wednesday, next report is, well, you know, the leukemia is almost gone, but you're going to have to take this little pill for the rest of your life. Well, when they told us that, I got an agreement with this person. I said, no, you don't. You don't have to take that the rest of your life. You do what the doctor says. That's always my position. You do what the doctor says. Don't you ever, don't say, I got faith and throw your glasses away. That's just called stupid, all right? When, you, when your glasses bother you that you can't, and then, wow, I see clearly, then you can throw them away. But don't act, this is like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, eyes are going to be healed, and I throw my glasses away. That's not how it works. You build your faith for your sight or for whatever. And then, you know, this lady, the testimony, just this Wednesday night it happened, you know, she was so stoked, and we had all these prayer requests, some were pretty, you know, intense, and then says, I got a praise report. And, and then she shared this, that in her last visit, now it looks like they're going to have to take her, they're going to take her off that, pill that she was supposed to take for the rest of her life. Glory to God. You know, and, and that's the kind of stuff that fuels my wife and I. I mean, that's what, you know, that's what makes us be here next Sunday and next Sunday and next Sunday. If that stops, you know, I'll be honest with you, you'll probably all need another pastor because I want a church that's alive, that's full of power, that, that we're excited about what God is doing, but the excitement comes from manifestation. Because, you know, yeah, there's excitement in learning the word, but it's really exciting when you pray for something and it happens. And guess what? You can live a lifestyle where you get used to that. Are you here? You know, it's, it's exciting to hear testimonies 
But the church should really get to the point, I'm about to read in a moment here, but the church should get to the point where you should be, huh, I wonder why that, that I prayed for didn't happen. We should be so used to prayers answered. Are you here? That it should be rare when it doesn't get answered. And the church still acts like, oh, we got a testimony, wow. And that's okay, nothing wrong with that. But we should grow or evolve to the point in our spirituality where we should be surprised if the answer doesn't come. Are you still here? Because that's what a Holy Spirit church does. So, so we're going to you know, dig into this subject, and it's going to take us probably a couple of weeks or more. And, I, and I, hopefully I don't want to bore you, but it's going to help you. You know, we, we have a lot of scripture to cover this morning, and again, respecting the clock and everything. But I want you to go home thinking about it. And I really, really, you know, if you really want to get the most of the next couple of weeks, start digging into the book of Acts. I can't stress that enough. You know, just read it, find out what's going on. All right, so Acts chapter 2, verse 37. And I'm going to bring you up to what happened here. And we're going to go back later on into some things that I skipped because of time. But Peter, Pentecost has happened, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. They went down, they spoke in languages that they didn't know. You know, they, they speak in other tongues. Those were known tongues. And, of course, we've talked about spiritual tongues and prayer language and so forth. And then we find Peter, that he goes out now with his empowerment. And there's this man that's always been by the, by the gate called Beautiful at the temple. I mean, his whole life's been there. He's like a fixture. Everybody knows him. And they walk by, and they give him alms because he's crippled. He's never walked a day of his life. And this time, Peter walks by, and they say, you know, have mercy on me. You know, he wanted some money, and Peter answered, silver and gold, I have none, but what I give you is the following. He says, stand up and rise and walk. And the guy was instantly healed, and it was a big miracle. And all the people in that community heard it, but guess who heard it? The religious people. So, so then Peter goes on and, and, and preaches this amazing sermon, and they're about to get in a lot of trouble, and you know, eventually they get arrested over this. But he comes to this point because at two, at two, you know, before Acts chapter 2, verse 37, he basically told them, you guys killed the miracle worker. And they began to realize, oh my gosh, you know, this man Jesus that we crucified, he's the one that's caused, because Jesus, you know, Peter gave... Jesus, all the credit for the miracle. He said, I didn't do nothing. It's, Jesus. it's in the name of Jesus that this man has walked. So now we're here. When they heard this, they were crushed and realized what they had done to Jesus. You know, that, you know that they're like, wow, you know, this has happened. You know, what are we going to do? And, uh, you know, that's just so you know where the story is. And deeply moved, they said to Peter and the other apostles, what do we need to do, brothers? Peter replied, repent and turn to God and each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to have your sins removed. Then you may take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit. For God's promise of the Holy Spirit is for you. Pay attention to this next scripture. You should highlight it if you have a way of highlighting it. You can, you can highlight on electronic Bibles too, by the way. For God's promises of the Holy Spirit is for you. Everybody say, for me. It's for your families. It's for my family. Say it. And listen, and this is all of us. And for those yet to be born. Glory to God. That's us, right? We are here. This happened over 2,000 years ago, but the Holy Spirit made sure that we were included in this. And when people say, hey, that whole Holy Spirit thing has stopped, you're like, no, it hasn't stopped. It's right there. He said, you know, it's going on forward. And I, I really like that, that scripture because it's for all your families, for yet those to be born, for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And that's just a powerful, powerful scripture. And then he goes on to say, here in verse 40, Peter, Peter preached to them and warned them with these words, 
Be rescued from the wayward and perverse culture of this world. Trust me, I wanted to park on that one for like 30 minutes, but I'm not. Because that's if you, if you think it was perverse back then, oh, Jesus, right? Those who believed the word that day numbered 3,000. They were all baptized and added to the church. And I was going to title this message, actually. I, I was actually going to, Scott was going to title it, Day One, 3,000. Think about that. Day one, say it, 3,000. This is the first day of the church, people. There was no church, no Christian church. This is day one of the church. Day one. Everybody say day one. 3,000 people. Think about that. I mean, if you don't think that's a miracle, you know, 3,000 people came to Christ on day one. And from there, it just exploded. You know, and we're, we're here, you know, almost... 30 years in, and I don't think we've reached, you know, that many people, at least not in Heaverville, <laughs> you know, maybe throughout the whole ministry. Yes, we probably touched more than those people, but I'm talking about one day. What causes this? What causes this? It's the Holy Spirit. So here I am, you know, here's my little analytical mind thinking, if that happened then, why doesn't it happen now? What is the factor? What happened in 2,000 years that they could go out on day one, reach 3,000 people, and here's the church 2,000 years, and, and, you know, and yes, thank God, you know, the church is huge and it's healthy and there's billions of people, but I'm talking, you know, how many churches in America, I don't care if it's a mega church, I don't care if you're in the biggest city of America or the biggest city of the world, they say, hey, you know, today we got 3,000 people coming. Well, let's just be honest, what happens if next Sunday 3,000 people come in? We're running for the hills, right? Well, there's no hills because it's brush. I'm like, Kathy, you're on your own now. Bye. <laughs> you can see the usher just like freaking out, like cars. I mean, it's like, you know, I really believe that people park their car here on Sunday and go home. You go out there and it's like, wow, there must, the church must be full. There's so many cars outside. I think there's more cars than people. I don't know how you all do that. But imagine if 3,000 people, Freddie, showed up next Sunday. We'd have those streets, the whole back street over there. I mean, get, get, why, why am I playing with this? Because this is the kind of stuff the Holy Spirit does. You know, and, and, and he's the only one that does that. You know, they, they didn't do anything to cause this. Now, now let's keep reading because I'm, I'm getting a little, little part there. So they were, they were all, verse 42, every believer, now here's where we're going to start getting into the meat of where we're going, was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles, their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders, and all the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they offered. Verse 45, out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute their, their proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily they met together in the temple courts in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all people. Now pay attention to this next state, the, the last part of verse 47. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily for those who were coming to life. So who was making the church grow? The Lord. Well, what is the representation of the Lord here on earth? The Holy Spirit. So you could, you know, you could say, you could read that and take the word Lord out and put the word Holy Spirit and you'd still get the same effect. You know, it would still make sense, in other words. So, and the Holy Spirit kept adding 
to their numbers daily. But what I want you to understand is what was the environment, and this is really where we kind of start breaking into the, there's like, there's a lot of points I want to cover this morning, but you know, the clock's always my enemy. But so we'll just get to where we need to. But what you got to see here is what were the things that the Holy Spirit, or in other words, not the things, what kind of environment did the church create that the Holy Spirit felt welcome? And I think that's a big question for all of us this morning. So let's break that one down. Because here is where every one of you in this building, everyone watching us online, you're still part of the church. You know, we live in a modern society. The church is never a building. So all our, our online church people are just as much part of Faithway as you are. You know, they're here every Sunday. They get online every Sunday. You know, they, they, they support the ministry. They pray, you know. So, you know, that's a different thing. That's what I'm saying. It's not just the building anymore. Now we have the, you know, the online campus, and it's great. But, you know, what is the expectation? You know, where does the Holy, why was the Holy Spirit able to do these things? Because, you know, the Holy Spirit hasn't changed. Can you say amen? God said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can take that to the bank. You know, people change. The government change. Politics change. You change. God never changes. And, again, those are those foundations in my life. I said, if God never changes, why isn't the church experiencing these kind of things? And I'm asking myself, I'm not judging any other church. I'm going to start with me, right? We're going to start with this church because this is the one we interact every day. You know, and yes, we have great signs and wonders. Don't misunderstand me. But guess what? There's room for more. There's room for a lot more. And it should be. And I'm going to believe God that it, sh- it will come a day if we, are, if we find these simple little things that, that, are, that are key ingredients that there will be standing room only in this church. That every chair will be filled. I'm not saying we might not have 3,000. But we might be thinking of having a second service. I don't know, because we will not be able to fit all the people that are coming. Because a lot of people, you've got to understand the same thing back then. They were not coming for sermons. They were coming for miracles. Nothing wrong with sermons, because the sermons produce the miracles, right? By faith. You need, you need faith to see manifestation. But, but you've got to understand, in the first century, there was nothing. People, you know, if you didn't have money, you can afford a doctor. I mean, first century... The, the, the conditions, except, you know, the Jewish people were very tight. They were kind of like Mexicans, right? They were very family-oriented, very... But everybody else, you know, in the Gentile world, you know, there were no such thing as hospitals, hospices, orphanages. Those things didn't exist. And if you didn't have money, you didn't have a doctor. If you didn't have a family, you were out on the street. And if you were a widow, you know, your husband died, and you didn't have anybody to support you, you'd end up in prostitution. That's just the way it was. And if you could handle the kids, they would throw them out in the street, and you had a bunch of feral kids running around everywhere. I mean, it was a very different time than we have today. So the Jewish people kind of were very separate from the rest of the world because the Jewish people, of course, they had gods to start, and they were more family-oriented, and they were tight, and they would take care of themselves. But in the Gentile world, it was very, very common to just throw the kids away, you know, let them run wild in the street, and, and, then they, and these kids would just make these packs. Like, like you know, it's, it's just... If you study first century... You know, society, it was pretty brutal. In all kinds of sickness and disease, no medicine, no antibiotics, none of the stuff that we have today. So you do realize that this church, you know, this growth also was a big part that the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the healing, the signs, the wonders, the miracles were happening in a society that didn't have anything. Amen? You know, one of the sad things of, of evangelism in America, when you go to other countries, you're going to see it, and unless you've been to other countries into into the Christian aspect of the country, not just visiting on it as a tourist, is you're going to see that for the most part, churches are full everywhere you go. But in America, they don't run full. Because in America, we have a lot of pillows. 
In Cuba, there's not a lot of pillows. You either got God or starvation. You know, I mean, this is pretty much it. You don't have a social system. You don't have a welfare system. And if you notice, the welfare system was supposed to be run by the church. It's right there. I mean, we just read it. There were people that had it, would bring it, and the people that didn't have it, the people that had it, delivered it to the treasury of the church. And the treasury of the church, one of, their big, one of the things they did on a continual basis was to, to help the widows and the orphans. So if somebody was rich, they would bring funds to the church, and then the church would distribute. And the apostles would run it, and it became such a big part of what they were doing that they said, man, we can't do this. We need to bring other people to do this because we're supposed to be seeking God. They were so busy distributing food and resources to the people in need because the church was prosperous. I'm talking the first week. Are you, are you guys still here? This is not years of church building. This is happening within days. First day, 3,000 people. I mean, they're still talking about the very first few days of the church. Now, you've got a welfare system in place. You've got resources. You've got funds. You've got people everywhere. People are gathering. You know, it is, it is a movement that exploded instantly. It didn't take years for this to happen. Well, of course it's going to tick off the, the religious people. But what I want to focus on before I go on the rabbit trail here, let's back up to about verse 42. And let's just pick a few of these things. I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to try not to expound a lot of them, but I want you to write them down or at least take a mental note because this is really the keys. You know, hopefully you love your church enough where you say, Pastor, I want to see this in our church. I want to see faith way, not so much to, for numbers. You know, yes, it'd be awesome to have a lot of numbers, but to have that, you know, it's not just the people, but to have a place that everyone in these communities, and I'm not just talking Heavenville, everywhere from, you know, Laredo to Freer to to Fowl, to Zapata, they will know that God is moving. And when people know that God is moving, they'll drive 100 miles. All right? So, you know, one of the goals here is to see, well, what is it going to take for God to move at that capacity? Yes, he moves, and we're excited. And I'll tell you why he moves in this church, because we teach faith. Because without faith, you can't please God. You know? Again, you know, what I'm saying, you know, there's great churches all over the place, but I'm saying this is our brand, this is our flavor, but we do pursue the miracles. We do pursue that this makes a difference. You know, when you see people that come from, the, from outside with pretty much no success in life and you, and you watch them track and they're committed and they're seeking God and then you begin to see their track. And it's all over you guys. Some of you already have that testimony. You know, remember what your financial, physical, you know, mental condition was before you ever walked into this church. Because it's easy to forget. Now, not, I'm talking about living in the past, but you've got to remind yourself... Is this church and what, ha- what Faithway has done for you, you know, has it been a benefit to your life? You know, only you can answer that. I can't answer that for you. you know, and I think that's what we've started from day one. That, you know, one of the foundations of Faithway was ve- you know, our very first statement on our mission statement back in 1994. It says, we are called to bring people out of religion into the reality of covenant living. Now, that's a summary of what it, the whole statement was. But that was who, that's who Faithway is. You know, we're called to bring you out of religion and bring you to a place where you see the power of God manifested in your life every day of your life. Can I hear an amen on that one? You know? So now we see here there, I'm just reading them off the screen, it says, every believer, here, here comes your list, was faithfully devoted to following the teaching of the apostles. They had a devotion to what was being taught. They understood it. And not, not only they understood it, they were practicing it. So number one, you want to see a move of God in our church? There it is. Number one, every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teaching. Number two, their hearts were mutually linked to one another. They weren't just, just random people go to church, get the word, yes, we got the word, and then they would split. They were linked. In other words, they were connected. If one was hurting, the church knew about it. 
Amen. You know, and they, they were linked. So, so I want a church, you know, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to move, the power of the Holy Spirit's going to move in a church that is linked together. That we're not just separate, you know, yes, we're here and, you know, and again, a lot of these things, again, I, I'm wired a little different than most people, I think. I realize little by little in my life. But, for example, the word friend, that's a covenant word. But people use it so loosely. How about the word brother? That's a covenant word. What about the word sister? That's a covenant word. And we come to church and we're like, hey, brother, hey, sister, glory to God, God bless you. But then, then if that sister or that brother has a crisis, now if you don't know about it, well, you don't know about it. But if you know about it and you choose to ignore it, then you're not doing that. Are you all still here? Es que calladitos están, like, wow. Y'all went Baptist on me or what? I mean, come on, you know, he's saying, we were linked and it's not just a pastor praying for everybody. It's everybody praying for everybody. Yes. Everybody reaching out to everybody. Yes. You know, if somebody was without groceries, somebody would know about it, and the church would pull together and make sure that person, you know, things were taken care of in their life. I mean, that, this is line upon line, guys. This is, I mean, you can't, you can't miss this one. Then it says sharing communion and coming to, together regularly for prayer. Our least attended service is our prayer service. I understand people are very busy, but, you know, Prayer is a big part of what we do. And we've always had prayer ever since we've done it. You know, we're, we're, you know, my schedule sometimes doesn't permit me to be here, but this house should always be, there, sh- there should always be a prayer in this house. And I recommend for those of you that don't come to prayer service, you should at least come once a month or once every two months or once every six months. And, you know, again, I say this with a lot of love, but a lot of people in our church have never been to a prayer service. Period. No prayer service. Now, you know, I'm not saying you're not a prayer person, and you know, I'm sure you are. But I'm saying these are just simply keys. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to Pastor Box's opinion. I'm trying to find why the Holy Spirit. You see, I'm, I'm, on, a, I'm on a pursuit of why the Holy Spirit was able to add 3,000 people to a church in one day. Why was the Holy Spirit within days to make this movement about 5,000 strong, not only strong in numbers, strong financially? And that's what scared the Jewish people. That scared them because the only ones that could sort of provide a little bit of that was the Jewish temple because they had a, you know they had resources too but they would only help the Jewish people they wouldn't help the gentiles now you have an, a movement that is paralleling the the Jewish temple in in what they're doing but they're helping everybody and you find it here so you find it that they were coming together regularly for prayer and again it's not about coming here Wednesday night you know and I see this because there was no set location for these people they would meet outside of the Jewish temple because most of them were Jewish and they never stopped being Jewish. They just believed they had found Messiah. Remember that. They did not say, oh, well, I'm not Jewish anymore. I'm a Christian. No, they believed they, they had found Messiah, which they did, which was Christ. But they were still very Jewish in, in their traditions and Jewish in their thinking and Jewish in their custom. They didn't change their, their Judaism into our version of Christianity. Remember, we're, Gentile, we're Gentiles that became Christians. They're Jews that became Christians. So, so they would meet at the temple. And they would meet at homes. And they would meet in different places. So prayer is not just something that happens Wednesday night at, at 6 p.m. You know, you know, people would gather together just to pray. Like, you know, when's the last time you had somebody, what are you guys doing? Come over to my house. What are you all going to do? We're going to pray. Oh, I don't know about that. That's, those things are weird because what? Because we killed it. That's the only reason it's weird. Because back then it was normal. But somewhere in 2,000 years, we stopped. We, we, you know what we did is we brought everything into a building and said, this all has to happen 
within these four walls. And don't you ever let it come out of those four walls. And that was never the design. The vision of the church was little pockets of believers getting together for meals. It's all here. Hanging out, praying together, reaching together, crying together, you know, blessing those that needed help. I mean, it was such a, a movement, of, you know, a social movement, a movement of compassion, a movement of grace, and of course, most powerful, a movement of the supernatural. Where, the, where there were signs, wonders, and miracles on a, on a daily basis. So once there again, you find they were linked together, they shared communion, they got together for prayer, a deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And it continues. So that was kind of the consequence. You know, now you have signs and wonders. Verse 44, And all the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they had. Once again, you know, there was no need in the body because if one person didn't have it and the other one did, he shared. Amen, Pastor. That's a good word. You don't have to say amen. You're like, no, that's my stuff. I'm not giving it to anybody. Just messing with you. I told you, today you're going to get a lot of scripture, so we're going to keep reading. It's all in here. It's better if the Bible preaches itself, actually. And then you have, you know, in verse 45, out of generosity, they sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily they met together in the temple courts, that's what I was saying, outside of the Jewish temple, and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. When, did they, when were they taking communion? Daily. Daily. Daily, they were coming together, not, not so much, you know, the wafer and the wine, all that. Maybe they did that, but more than anywhere, they were, the, the word communion means all things in common. That's why you say the word community, communion. They all come from the same foundation. So they were coming together. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Oh, and that's why the Lord was able to add to their numbers daily. You see, a church that moves this way is attractive to the world because the world is not like that. The world's all about me and my own, right? Me and my crew and nobody else. It's a selfish world. Can I hear an amen? And let me tell you, Christians, if, you, if you're really tracking to, to pursue this idea of what is a Christian, I'll say this by the Holy Spirit, you need to deal with selfishness. You need to deal with jealousy. You need to deal with envy. Those are not attributes that any Christian should ever have in his life. Now, we have it as we move in, but we should work on it. Amen? You should work on being a generous person. You should work at it. Because generosity is not about how much money you have in the bank. Generosity is a heart issue. You know, in Cuba, when the first years we would go, I mean, the first trip, I, you know, I, I, I didn't know a whole lot about Cuba in the first trip, but then I realized what was happening. We would eat at people's homes, and they would bring these amazing meals. Don't think it's, I mean, they would bring, you know, like lamb, or sometimes lobster, sometimes completely illegal beef. Yeah, it was, it's illegal to eat beef. If you got beef, somebody bought it in the black market risking prison time. And we would just eat like you would do, right? Like if we were in Mexico or the United States. And then I began to realize, I said, what these people did is not what they eat every day. And then somebody told me, said, you do realize that, that other people that had gone to Cuba before, that this meal that they prepare for you is really their equivalent of a Christmas meal. They knew the, the, they knew the preachers were coming, they knew the, the ministers of God were coming, and they go all out. I mean, this is like 
the one meal. They would only do one, something like this maybe once a year, and who knows if, if they even had those resources. And you, and you were sit, and to not realize that context of it, it was like, okay, well, that was a very nice meal, thank you very much. No, it was deeper than that. They were putting it all out. Amen? So, you know, you, you've, I've seen some of these things in the different parts of the world. But there's that little word, out of generosity. You know, this church also had that characteristic. It was a generous church. And by the way, I'm really proud of Faithway. Faithway is a generous church. You know, Faithway is, is making a difference in other nations. But that's something you have to settle in your heart, you know, because, again, you know, of the two classes of people that are on this planet, you guys know this is not my idea. There's only two classes of people. They're givers and takers. And you're going to have to decide who you are. Because if you're just a taker, then the, the, the full transformation of Christ hasn't really happened in your life because the whole foundation of Christianity is give. Give, and it shall be given unto you. For God so loved the world that he gave. I mean, you know, generosity has nothing to do with how much money you have or you don't have. Generosity is a heart. It's an inner thing in you where you can see the need of somebody else and put on pause your little needs because the need of that person is greater than yours and you can handle that one too. Can I hear an amen? That really is what generosity is. You know, generosity and compassion are linked like this. You can't separate generosity and compassion. And if something Jesus moved in was compassion. Amen? I'm preaching way better than you guys are reacting this morning. Come on. So you see, you know, that the generosity, you see the fellowship, you see all these things coming together. And, you know, and that is really, how can I put it, that mixture, the combination of that heart of Jesus. And again, this was happening in a, in a society that was in need at every, I mean, it's like when you go to Cuba, you can ask, you know, Miriam or Araceli or, or Yanis, because, you know, they went separate. But I mean, isn't it just overwhelming? Everywhere you look, there's need, right? I mean, it's like pick your need. You know, where do you want to sow some money? It's not like you have to really think. Everywhere you go, there's need. There's no medicine. There's food. You know, I mean, it's just everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And I think that is, that is really the spirit, you know, that was happening in this church. That was the same condition. In America, we don't see that. So sometimes we get disconnected. You know, like, well, there's not, you know, really in America, there is not that much need. Yes, of course, you say, well, Pastor, you know, yeah, but l- listen to me. You know, <laughs> your definition of poverty is somebody else's definition of higher middle class. Let's be honest with you, you know. So, you know, poverty, I hear the word poverty in America, and I'm like, no, I've seen poverty. (laughs) I've seen extreme poverty. And it's not even close. It's not even in the ballpark. Because poverty in America is, you know, you can't make your payment on your car this month, so you've got to go hide it at your compadre's house so they don't take it. And that's your definition of poverty. Now, poverty is when you don't have nothing to feed your kids tomorrow. Uh huh. Or you don't have a roof over your head. Or you haven't bought clothes in 10 years. If you got clothes because somebody gave it to him or you found them in the trash dump, that's poverty. So stop, look at your neighbor and say, stop complaining. Just, just be nice to them. You guys are way far apart. So you go like, hey, stop complaining. <laughs> no, I'm serious. You know, they're just different things. So you do see, I know, I'm, I'm telling you that because this is the setting of the first century church. Now, let's, let's go to the next one. So the last, verse 47, I think on the next one, if you can hit the next slide, I put the King James Bible version just to pull something out because now we're going to get into a little teaching moment to pull it out. So this is King James Bible of that same scripture. 
praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily. Now, that word church is a really interesting word because, you know, last week I, I, I spent a lot of time defining to you what ecclesia versus kirch, which is the, the church. So the word church is not really in the Bible. And church translated really meant this. You know, that's where they got it from, from you know, the King James Bible translators. That word was a little different even than the word ecclesia. And it is, it, is, it is part of the idea of ecclesia, but they added something, and I want to give you that definition. So when you translate it from, their, you know, from the, the original, the Aramaic word for church, this is really interesting because this is, it was joining of meet and come. I don't know, did I put that definition up there on the slides? Hit the next one. There you go. See, you can see it. You can hear me and you can see it. So that, that word now means something else because when you say, well, Pastor, how, how, how's all this work? This really changed it to me because now you have the idea of meet. I meet somebody. Hey, how you doing? You know, I met somebody, introduced me to somebody. But then the next step was, I want you to follow me. Where? To God's place. Not God's church, but to God's people. Because that was the ecclesia, remember? So the idea, when it says, and, and, and God added to the church daily, it wasn't that he was just adding, like, oh, oh, people are knocking at the door of the church, because the people were doing this part by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And again, I know, I know that I've, I say this every once in a while, and I know it, it makes me feel bad, and maybe it might make you feel bad, but in a, in a <laughs> not in a negative bad, but in a like, uh, maybe I should fix it. But here, ask yourself this question. Don't answer it, but kind of play it in your head a little bit. If you've been part of Faithway for, let's say, at least five years, so if you haven't been here for five years, you're not completely off the hook, but I'll cut you some slack this morning, all right? But let's say you've been around. Just ask yourself this question. Don't answer it. Answer it on the inside. How many people have you brought to the things of God? Not necessarily to this, to God. It could have been, I mean, you could have got somebody saved on the corner and they weren't even part of, they don't even live in Heavenville. I get that. That's fine. It's not, it's not just about bringing people to the church. But this is a big question you have to ask yourself because at the end of the day, that's what the Lord was doing. He, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit wasn't like everybody just sitting back, drinking lemonade and people knocking the door down to get to church. Uh-uh. He had anointed this spirit of generosity and love and compassion that was on the church with that came that anointing where people were all over the place meeting people in their social gatherings, wherever in the marketplace, wherever, you know, wherever the social gathering of the time was. They didn't have cafes, you know, but if it was the homes, if it was the dinner tables, if it was the market, if it was the business world, if it was, you know, whatever it was, they were meeting people, but they weren't just meeting people. They had an anointing on them to bring those people to a fellowship. Are you still here? And it wasn't, forget, you know, forget this, this, I keep saying this block here because it's messing our brain up. He was taking people that had no resources, no God, no connection, and they were meeting and they were reaching in compassion because the church back then, again, it wasn't, you know, where do you put 3,000 people? By this point, it's more like 5,000 people. Where do you put 5,000 people? Not even in the Jewish temple they would fit. You know, the only other biggest place was where the Colosseums, they weren't renting them out. If you were to call it, it was, it was either to be a spectator or to be eaten by a lion. So, you know, the only other big plays were Coliseums. Where, where, where do you put 5,000 people? I'll tell you where. People's houses. 
Five would meet here, ten would meet there, two would meet there, three would meet there. And then throughout the whole city, people were meeting together. What were they doing? Praying, fellowship, and bringing people. Y'all still here with us this morning? Because, you know, hopefully you're in pursuit. You know, I want to plant in you the pursuit to say, I want the supernatural in my life. I'll tell you how the supernatural works. Do that. Just do that. I tell people, you know, our culture, Faithway culture, and we'll talk about this in a few weeks, we're, we're headed down that path. One of our things that's on, on Faithway culture, we don't have an inviting culture. We have a bringing culture. Because people, when you invite people to church, they'll tell you, yeah, I'll be there. And they don't. Yeah, maybe once in a while they will. Because first of all, it's really weird to go to church you don't, don't go to. It's like awkward, right? You think everybody's going to look at you. and all. Well, I mean, some churches they do, but. So what are you supposed to do with that? You know, it's kind of funny. I just want to say meet and greet, right? And the meet and come. That's why we have a, that's, that's where we get our bringing culture. Bringing is, hey, I want to invite you to my church or, you know, you, know, you need God in your life. Let me take you, know, you need to meet our pastor, you need to meet our church. Yeah, I'll be there and say, no, no, I'm going to pick you up. You be ready, 945, I'll be ready. I'll, I'll pick you up. You might even have to sweeten the deal. This is the way you start. You say, I want to take you out to lunch. Porque la gorra ni quien le corra, right? Everybody is going to go for a free meal. Oh, that's awesome. When? It's Sunday, I'll take you out to lunch. Ah, where are we going? Wherever you want to go. What time are you going to pick me up? 9.45. Well, that's a little early. Well, no, we're going to go to church first. That's how you sweeten the deal. Now they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to pick you nine. Right after church, we're going to go eat on buying. Are you willing to invest in somebody's? Are you willing to sew a meal? Because you know, you know where, where all, most of the fellowship was happening? Over a meal. That's, that was the table. You know, the tables were the center of all this. They would gather for fellowship. And, you know, and if the church, you know, that is still on today. When you have that heart to reach out, you know, most people, you know, these are just church statistics that I studied years ago. Most people need about seven times before they come to a church. That's the average in America. In other words, they have to be invited around seven times. Well, my idea is I said, no, yeah, because they're going to say no, 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 until you know, they finally get to, okay, yeah, I'll go, yeah. That's the seventh one. They might come, but they'll never come back, right? They just, they just want to get you off of them. You know, it's like Kamala visiting the border. Okay, that's all. That's all I'm going to say. Shut up, Pastor Buck. She went to El Paso where nothing's happening. You know, come down here, you know, check it out. Okay, I went to the border. Throw that one out there just. Now I'm feeling much better now. No, you know, you, you don't invite people because inviting people, yes, you know, by the way, don't stop inviting people, but take it the next step. You bring people. And you don't even have to bring them to church. Sit down with them, listen to them, pray for them, encourage them. And when you put yourself out there, it gets really exciting because when you put yourself out there on faith, guess what? Many, many times God will meet you there. And it doesn't take a lot of conversation over dinner table before somebody's going to open a little bit of a door and show you some of the stuff that they're dealing with. Are you here? And now you're going to say, okay, God. You know, somebody said, well, you know, my son's on drugs. I don't know what to do. You know how we ended up in Heavenville? Does anybody care? Nobody raised their hand. So I'm going to tell you anyway. It's all HH's fault. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> I ran out of gas. No, it's, even, it's deeper than that. So when we were having our church in Miranda City, there was no idea to be in Heavenville. Guess what happened in Miranda City? And thank God for Miranda City, or at least for the church. We had some miracles happening. I'm talking big time stuff happening. And there was a handful of us. 
Ana, you remember Ana, you were one of those, right? Medium, Araceli. They were all part of that little house. Well, the word got out that miracles are happening. People from Heavenville started driving all the way to Miranda City, and, and they weren't going for lalas, they were going to the church. Because there's no other reason to go to Miranda City unless you're buying peyote, right? I mean, it's what else. And they were going to the church, and one of those, one of those stories, again, I'm, just, I'm not going to say names, names don't bother, was a person that their child was completely lost in drug addiction. Like, horrible. And they asked me, would you pray for this person? And this person would sometimes show up, sometimes one day they'd say, well, they're here. And I went over there, and, and I, I literally saw death over this person. I mean, when I, when I showed up, it was a little dark room, and, you know, they'd been on drugs for like two weeks straight on crack or something, and, and I mean, it was just, you could see death on this person. Well, we prayed, long, very long story short. Within about three months that we started doing that, guess what happened? That person got completely delivered and set free from all, completely drug addiction. And today's a very successful business person. Amen? Amen? That's the reason... Well, guess what happened in Heavenville? More people from Heavenville started going. Now we had about three families from Heavenville. They're driving all the way around the city because signs and wonders were happening. And it's amazing because I don't think, I'm trying to think I don't want to mess this up, but I don't think any of those families are still in church. <laughs> that's all right, yeah. That's between them and the Lord. But the point is, that's what brought Heavenville into the radar. Because we're like, huh, Heavenville. And the Holy Spirit dropped it. You need to start a church in Heavenville. Now, I didn't hear it that way. It was just like, hmm. Because if anything, we could have beelined to Laredo. I, I had a lot of connections. We had had a radio program in Laredo. We actually had started a, a little tiny church out of the radio program. We would meet a hotel in Laredo. But, you know, Heavenville started coming into the radar. And that's how we ended up here. Yes, God showed us Heavenville, but he showed us through a sign and a wonder of people that had heard there's a little church in an old broken-down house in Miranda City. God's moving. Are you still here? And that's how God used that to bring us here. That's amazing what God does. So when you understand it, so the meet and come was exactly what's happening because somebody was in that church service and was experiencing signs and wonders and they knew of somebody that was struggling with a very difficult situation and they went from the little church in Mirando through this person, through this person, and the word got to Heavenville, hey, there's a church that stuff is happening down the road. In other words, meet You see it? Here's the thing. If people could drive for a miracle, you know, whatever, 30 miles or back and forth, be 60 miles, you know, approximately, you don't think people can cross the street? Huh? If the word gets out that God's moving here, people are going to come. Because there's a lot of people, they're desperate. I mean, if they told them a curandero was happening, they'd go see the witch doctor. (laughs) Let's be honest. Don't act weird. You all know what I'm talking about. Before you faith way, you guys out there looking at it, you know, are you kidding me? Then you wonder why hell broke loose in your house, you've messed around with dark sciences and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> no, this is not hard, church. Well, you know, we see it here, once again, you know, the, the, the word, this word is an invitation to enter into fellowship. That's what you're doing. That was the word church. That was the Aramaic word for church that was used in this instant. Yes, it was Ecclesia, but Ecclesia was about the gathering. You know, Ecclesia was about the pulling together, the called out ones. But the word that is used in this specific tomb, it says they would meet them and they would bring them. They would meet them and, and they would say, listen, you need to come here. Again, there was so much need that a lot of people at this point, they're like, yeah, show me what you got. 
Well, I believe we're living in a time where, where people, even though in America they have a lot of stuff, we have a lot of stuff, we have a lot of toys, we have cars, we have houses, but guess what? Inside we're completely empty. And they have no hope. And every little crisis, they go into full darkness. Because think about your life. You know, our life, you know, most of you, you know, if you're just being a normal person, even with God, you have ups and downs. You go through complicated things. You go through these, you know, gray or dark areas of your life. But you have Jesus. How, and, and you have that hope, and you can kind of lean into that. I don't know how you do it, but that's how I do it. I lean into him when, I'm, when we're going through a crisis, when we're going through a problem. Well, what do those people do? What do those people lean into? Nothing. They lean into themselves, and their self is already empty. Their self is already broken. So what happens? Then they lean into drugs. They lean into alcoholism. They lean into you know, immorality. They lean into all these things, trying to figure out how, how can we fill this emptiness and this void that I have. And they are prime, ready for somebody like you to show up and say, I got something for you. Because in America, we're not dealing with hunger. We're not dealing with, you know, yes, there's some of that, but we're not really dealing with that like we do in Cuba or, or even in some parts of Mexico or the Navajo Nation. You're dealing with something else. You're dealing with people that are so desperate for life. I like, I like the Passion Translation. It says, and many came to life. Think about that, life. You know, there are people that are, you know, they'll still live for 40 years, but they're dead already. Amen. There's people there in their... 20s, 21, 22, they're done. They're done. They got nothing to reach out for. They're just, you know, they're not going to kill themselves, hopefully, but there's nothing left. So what, what the rest of their life is working for the weekend, that's all it is. No purpose, no plans, and just tearing other families along the way. Amen. Because that's, that's what happens when you have darkness. Now, we're not making judgment of people, but here's the thing that I'm trying to stir you up, church. If you want to see the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you better get with the program. That's basically it. You know, the program is your light, your life should be spread everywhere. Amen? Amen? And unless you're doing that, you say, well, Pastor, how do I do it? Well, you just make yourself available. I don't know what else to tell you. You make yourself available, God will set you up with one and another. And I mean, you'll go through your whole week. You'll have 15 circumstances that, you know, most people, no, no, I just got to, you know, my family. And here's, the, and here's where we, we're upside down because the solutions that your family needs are going to be completely based on the seeds that you're sowing in other people's lives. You didn't hear anything else this morning. That's one right there. You know, yes, our family needs all this stuff. Yeah, but when you find somebody else and you start ministering and blessing and taking care of this one, God's taking care of all this over here. So it's kind of a catch-22. Yes, your, your life is not perfect, but one of the reasons to make your life better is by reaching out to other imperfect lives. And what does the devil say? Well, you can't do that. Look at your life. See, the, the devil's not as scared of church. He's scared of Holy Spirit churches. He doesn't matter if we we got a church on every corner that's full of religious people. Están todos amargados and everybody's mad and everybody's hit. He doesn't he doesn't care. But when there's a church that's alive and is making a difference into his world, into his realm, which is the realm of darkness, then you're going to get his attention. And I don't care. You know, I'm not scared of the devil. I've never been scared of him. But the church does have to wake up. So when we say we're a primitive church, I'm going to flip it over. No, we're the primitive church. This was the way the church was supposed to be. But you know, we got very you know, educated, formalized it, put it in a block, and here we are. Thank God you're here, but I'm excited to see what, it, what causes a revival in the community. So we need a revival, we sing about revival. Revival is you. You are the revival. The word revive means bring back alive. That's what it means. 
And if you, if you are on a consistent basis are bringing some kind of light into somebody's life, a little bit of hope, a little glimmer of, of light, you are causing revival. Revival is not, you know, that's again, <laughs> I got so much stuff in my head. The church said, you know, I used to always, even I was so sarcastic when I was a heathen. I'm still sarcastic, but I'm a Christian sarcastic now. <laughs> this one would bother me, H. I would be driving down America's highways and little, you know, churches, and it says, revival, June 10th through the 15th. I'm like, you can schedule that? <laughs> All right. So that week, whatever they called revival, you know, it was just a lot of loud music, a lot of, you know, service every night. No, revival's on all the time. We are bringing life. We're, we're bringing bread to hungry people. And I'm not talking physical bread. I'm talking the bread of life. Amen? All right. Hopefully you're getting something out of all this this morning. <laughs> I want to start a fire in you so bad that you'll go out there and... Let's deal with this, and this is, uh, there's some notes that aren't on the screen, but what's happened to the church, it's become an organism, I mean, it's become an organization when it was designed to be an organism. Think about that. The body of Christ, you can give me the next one, the body of Christ was never designed to be an organization, because an organization, there's nothing wrong with an organization, you know, you can have an organization, and we are an organization, and we have to be. You know, legally we have to be, and we have a name, and we have structure, and we have leadership, and so forth and so on. But the body of Christ, you know, there's so many references. Let me, let, and we're going to get to them. I'm just going to read some of my notes here. Uh, I'll skip some of that. Okay, so we're, we're going to get to there right now. But in 1 Corinthians 12, don't go there yet, the word body appears 18 times. Paul's conclusion is, in this chapter, is that we must be connected to each other in order to be what God wants us to be. Well, that's what we already read in Acts chapter 2, that he was looking for a church that was connected, interconnected. But the organization was always referred to as an organism, in other words, a living, breathing entity. Well, with that in mind, you know, it, it's, um, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, and I'll, I'll come back and do some, a couple notes, and I think that's probably where we're going to end up today. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 27. I'm going to start reading right there. Just as the body, this is Paul writing uh, on my notes, it says unity and diversity in the body. Just as the body, though, though one has many parts, but all many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. So God never came to for an organization. He didn't come to create organizations. That was already one, in, you know, Judaism was never supposed to be that, but it, it turned into that. Well, the church today is pretty much an organization, you know. You got the Catholic organization, the Baptist organization, even the Word of Faith, you know, the Assemblies of God, organizations everywhere. But it was supposed to be an organism. In other words, it was supposed to be a living, breathing entity. And then Paul goes to explain in verse... 14 says, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. This is probably not the message y'all want to hear. Now it's okay if y'all guys would get really, really quiet. But guess what? You're part of this body. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, maybe you're visiting the church, maybe you're watching online for the first time, but if you decide at some point, say, Faithway's my church, guess what? You said, I'm part of the body. You know, the, the global body is Christianity, 
But we're in our local body. And there's another local body down the street, and there's another couple local bodies through, through, through this community. You know, there's churches, more than one church in Hebronville, obviously. But my point is, once you're part of a body, guess what's the next step? What part are you? Because you're not going to be the head because Jesus is the head. So don't, don't go for the head, all right? You're not, you don't get that one. But guess what? Whatever part of the body you are, you need to discover pretty quick because every part of the body has a purpose. And in your purpose is where you find your prosperity. I'm just telling you, that's where it is. What do I do to prosper? Find your purpose. And in your purpose, God will open so many doors, you'll have to say it's too many right now. He'll, he'll promote you. He'll do all kinds of crazy stuff for you financially and for your family. And, but at the end of the day, are you in your purpose? Because I know what my part is. At least in this body, I'm supposed to pastor it. That's it. And I try to train leaders. You know, I, I said this last Sunday, but one of my missions is not to make clones of Kelvin Box. You know, one's enough. Sometimes I can't even stand the one that exists. So my job is to help you find your gift and your calling and help you develop it. That's my job as a pastor. And a lot of people don't even know what their gift is. But the first thing is you got to, first, first, first thing you got to say is say, are you part of the body? Because if you're not sure if you're part of the body, then there's no, no reason in talking about what part of the body are you. Because here's the thing if you're not part of this body, get ready, you're part of somebody somewhere. If you don't like the way things are in faith, if you don't like you know, the rhythm, if you don't like you know, our, our culture, it could very well be that this is not your body. But you're part of someone's. And someone needs you. Because tell me, what part of your physical body you don't need? <laughs> when, when Kaden and HH helped me talk me through that one, when Kaden was really, 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 really little, remember that Kaden? I mean, Kaden, HH, they wanted to take his tonsils out. Because he was struggling with infections and stuff. And they're like, pull his tonsils out. I'm like, I don't think you're supposed to lose parts that easy. And then somebody said, well, you don't need them. I said, no, I think they're there for a reason. And I talked to the doctor, and the doctor said, no, they're there for a reason. So we didn't have them, you know, pulled out. I think, God, I got all my parts. Nobody's pulled anything out of me well, that I just I know of. <laughs> I'm saying, you know, if you, if you have to go, it has to go, it has to go. You know, it could be your health. You know, some people you go through surgery, you know, and yeah, you lose them. But God made the body perfect. There's no, there is no extra parts. One of the ways I, one of the reasons I, I know how to do so much stuff, somebody asked me, says, how come you do so much stuff? Because, you know, first of all, pastor, if you guys tell pastor such an easy job, pastor, you got to know a little bit about it. You got to know about construction, you know, personnel management, business. But then on the other side, I, you know, it's like, I know about plumbing, I know about this, and I, you know, I'm not an expert of any of it, but I know how to do it. The reason I did it was called lack, because I couldn't afford a plumber, Deanna. I couldn't afford a mechanic. And when I get to the mechanic area, it gets really weird because I used to change stuff on my truck and I'd have parts missing. I mean, parts left over. Ever that happened to you, Freddie? Just a few parts left over. I figured, yeah, you know, they probably don't need them anyway. <laughs> so you, our vehicles were run by faith, especially when you're doing a brake job and you have parts left over. No, you need it. <laughs> yeah, because in Mexico, that's how we fix cars. I messed up on the seat, because I had a car. Araceli and Alejandro, remember that car? A little Honda, remember that little car? That was such a, it was such an ugly car, but it was a blessing. But that one, you know, was, you had to flip a switch to turn the fan on because if not, the motor would burn up. Don't forget to turn the switch on. Because there was parts missing. 
And when you were driving that thing, and that temperature would go, oh, the switch, where's the switch? And the switch would, because, like, you know, of course, we've got to fix the Mexican way. Just put it in the switch. Hey, I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> so the thing worked, but it wasn't the way it was designed. You know what's happening within the church? It's the same thing. And it's so, it's so vital that, that, you know, if you leave this building, at least just pray one little prayer. Let me, let me ask you this one little prayer before you get home or when you get home, before the day's over. Say, Lord, what is my part? Show me. Because, you know, Paul may, spends a lot of time using this. That we're not an organization. We're an organism that works within an organization. And if you're not careful with that, you lose the organism part, and it's just the organization. And you got a pastor, and you got secretaries, and you got leaders, and you got associate pastors, you got musicians, and it's all very well structured. And I believe in that. Trust me, I believe in all that. I believe in org charts. But we got to be careful that we don't fall into such a structure that we forget that we're a living, breathing entity. Amen? And so he goes on to say, just as one body has many members, for we are all baptized by, the, by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. There's only one Holy Spirit. And guess where the Holy Spirit's going to move? And guess where the Holy Spirit's going to really function to his full capacity is within the body he'll function as an individual don't misunderstand me he's with you when you leave the building he's with you all the time but you know the the old cliche and i said this last week a lot you hear it so much so much nowadays it's so modern nowadays and i and i get some of it say well you know i don't really need a church god and i have a thing going i'm like well you better delete a bunch of the bible brother because there's a everywhere i see you're part of a body Yes, you might get to heaven, and yet, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking that you might be a very powerful prayer person, but you need a body. Because if you don't have a body, then what are you, a ghost? What are you? You, you know, you, you, have to be part of a, you have to be part of something because God moves through the church. You know, he'll move individually. Don't misunderstand me. I mean, there's times, but you need to, a church. When, I, when people come and say, oh, pastor, I mean, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to be going through heaven, Bill, and, and I was wondering, you know, because that's the way preachers are, and I don't do that. That's why I work. <laughs> you know, they, they, don't want, they don't want to, they're not coming here just to give a word. They, they, they're coming here to get an offering. My, the very first question I ask them is like, who's your pastor? I want to know where you're coming from. I want to know what part of, what body you're from. Or are you just an extraterrestrial? Because when they start, uh, mm, uh, you know, well, I'm kind of between churches. I mean, you can't be between churches. What do you think? I'm between jobs? What is this? Just the fact that you don't have somebody to answer to does, makes me not trust you. That's auto mistrust. Amen? Because here's the thing. Here's something. Everyone in this building, everyone online, if, if yours truly does something that you don't really agree with, you can call my pastor. And if I do something that is really, really violent, then you can, you know, really bad, you can talk to the board. I'm under authority. And the board has the power, the power to fire me and replace me, and my pastor has, has the authority to do whatever he needs to do to talk to me. But you have to be part of a body. Because if not, then a lot of these, a lot of these organizations, or say a lot of these churches that you see, there's disasters, you know, where, where a lot of stuff happens, bad stuff happens. One of the key things you're going to find, almost always, not always, almost always, is that pastor doesn't have a pastor over himself. You know, I've been doing this a long time, church. 
So he goes on to say, and just so we can finish this, even so the body is not made up of one part but of many. Okay, give me the, oh, I already read that. Give me the next one because I want to finish. There's a couple more slides. So verse 16. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. You know, you can, you can kind of smell Paul's sarcasm in the, in, the, in the conversation. And if the whole body were an eye, that would be weird, right? Where would the sense of hearing be? You see, in the, bo- in the body of Christ, you've got people that are listening, and you've got people that are watching. You've got people that are working. You've got people that are walking. But everyone is needed. And there, I tell you, even in this congregation, those watching me online, you say, well, I don't live in Heverville. How can I be an usher? No, but, but there's, there's a part that you have. There, you, know, you know, one of the biggest parts of any fellowship, this church or any church, there are people that all, their whole calling, their only calling in the church is to finance the kingdom, Joe. That's it. They, they're never going to go on a mission trip. They're never going to serve as an usher. They're never going to greet anybody. They, God called them and gave them the wisdom and the ability to create wealth. And that's their calling. And they'll be prosperous, and they'll never go broke, and they'll never, and they'll never be on a mission trip. Not that they don't want to be, it's just simply they are called to finance kingdom. So when I speak to the online crowd that says, you know, we've got people in Georgia, and we've got people in other parts of, of America, so why, you know, I, I can't, what can I do? Pay for the gas, guys. We'll get it done. Say amen, church, so they can hear you. Right? Pay for the gas, and we'll get it done. One of the greatest imitations this church does to do more and more and more is just resources. That's all it is. You know? We do everything. You can ask our board. You can ask, you know, those that run the finances. We do everything on hair string budgets here. But we get it done somehow. Right, Kathy? I mean, we get it done somehow. But it's not, you know, if you think, man, that church is just, you know, pouring in hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, right. It gets done. But you imagine if you magnified that? Because if we're doing something with a budget of, let's say, you know, four or $5,000 a month, because that's really kind of where we're at, you know, muscle manos, you know. Sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. Imagine what, 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 what would this church would be doing if, our budget, if we had a budget of you know, $20,000 a month or $50,000 a month. Well, I'm telling you, the things would be rocking around here and in Cuba and Ukraine. And, 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 I mean, there would be greater impact. In other words, if you drop a little pebble in a pond, you're going to get some, what do they call them, the little waves, you know, the ripples, the ripple effect? You're going to see little ripples go. What happens if you drop a boulder? <laughs> you're going to get a bigger ripple, and guess what? It's going to go further. The pebble is going to go doo, 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 and fizzle out. You, you drop that boulder, those things might make it all the way to the shore. And that's really a, a great analogy of what it, the power of a church is. So you've got people that are just called to finance the kingdom. Then you've got people that are called to teach, and you've got people that are called to preach, and you've got people that are called to, you know, their calling is when you greet them, you feel good. I mean, hospitality is a gift. It's, in, it's one of the gifts. You know, and, you know, and what Paul says, you don't want to put an ear to be looking out because an ear can't see. You know, if, 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 you're, if you're one of those really grumpy, mean persons, you don't want them shaking people's hands. Hey, I'm glad you're here, Faithway. Hope you don't come back. But that same person might be a great working on their building. You see, you get, everyone is needed. And God, is not, God doesn't have to modify your personality to make you fit. He'll use you the way, and that's the thing, God, you were born with a gift to be a blessing to someone. Everybody in this building. I don't know what it is. Give the Lord praise because you are here for a purpose. There are no accidents in the kingdom. That's why, you know, the death of babies and so I'm not going to get on any trip on the abortion issue, but that's why it's such a travesty because every human body comes with a gift. 
And guess what? Humanity needs that gift. Not just the church, humanity. I always think about all the millions and millions and millions and millions of, be- of, of babies that got, have gotten aborted legally. I wonder, I wonder how many of those babies carried the cure for different kinds of cancers. Right? Scientists that could have changed something. Scientists that, you know, we don't know that. I mean, I'm just making, you know, an assumption. But the point of it is, everyone has a gift, and every gift is different. And you don't want to be like anybody else, because God made you unique. But at the same time, God gave you a gift. Guess who the gift is for? Not for you. It's for always for somebody else. It's part of something you love. It's something you desire. It's something you have passion about. But it's always for somebody else. And you enjoy doing it. You see, I enjoy doing this. You know, sometimes it's just like, oh, we've got to go. Tri-. But you know, once you get here, you're, you're, I'm where I'm supposed to be. You know, right now is the one time in my, in my week that I know I'm in God's perfect will. Sunday at 10 and Sunday at 2, I know I'm supposed to be. Amen? Let's finish this up. So, you know, he, he, he continues with this analogy, you know, about the, the comparison. And then you go back, in, let's go all the way to verse 20. As, as there are many parts but one body, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Who's the head of the body? Christ. Listen to this scripture, because this is, an, this is powerful if you just break it down a little bit. Christ would never, ever tell you, I don't need you. You know what Christ is telling you this morning? I need you. I need you to, I need you to, to step in. I need you to step in into what I called you to do. That's what Christ is telling you this morning. That, to me, is such a wonderful scripture when you read it from that, from that angle. You know, there's nothing that says, I don't need you. Now, let's, going down into, I'm, I'm going through this quickly because my, my time's up. This is, this is going to set somebody free this morning. Verse 20, well, verse 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that sub- seem to be weaker and indispensable and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor and the parts that are unpresentable, we're treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Isn't that amazing? You know who qualified you? God. Not education. Not how many years you're a Christian. God. You're like, well, you don't understand, Pastor. I don't have an education. I can barely, you know, my background is this. You know, I, you know, I, I came from, a, you know, my mom was a single mom. I don't know who my, you know, you could come up with all kinds of hangups. And God is like, mm, really? It doesn't make a bit of difference what your background is. Because I called you to something magnificent. And I'm the one that's going to add everything. So this, this really becomes an easy job. Because that's really what it's referring to. It's the perspective of somebody says, well, I'm not as honorable as that person. Well, I'm not as educated as that person. Or I don't have as much talent as that person. God says, I don't That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I called you. I planted a gift in you to function within a body. Because, you know, we're talking, you know, remember with the subject. I've got to finish this up. The subject was the Holy Spirit in the church. So as much as we're going to see him on a corporate level, and I believe we will, the way we see him is on an individual level. What did the Holy Spirit tell you to do? What did the Holy Spirit tell you to do? What did the Holy Spirit tell you to do? What did the Holy Spirit tell you to do? And when you bring all those gifts and callings into a congregation, then you ignite the corporate anointing, and that's when it gets fun. Because now you're going to see blind eyes open, people get out of wheelchairs, demons cast out of people, what ignites a church. That's the kind of church I'm used to being involved in. I don't want a church that comes for a sermon, hmm, you know, 
No, I want a church that's excited. And bring the weak and bring the sick and see what your God can do. Put yourself out there. Because you're part of this body, like it or not. Well, I don't like it, then find your body. (laughs) That's how you know I keep saying that because not everybody's called to this church. And then it goes on as we close, verse 25. So there should be no divisions in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Isn't that what he said in Acts chapter 2? Remember that? If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. Do you realize that if I go, which I will this year, I've got to go to Ukraine. i just got to find, I'm still trying to find that, and we're going to hopefully go to Cuba if it opens up, and we'll do what we always do. Anybody that gets born again in any of those nations, any miracles that happen under our ministry, guess what? You're part of that. You're getting credit for it because you're part of the body. Do you understand? You're getting credit for whatever we do. Guess what happens if you're over there, you know, at work and, and you pray for somebody, somebody got saved, I get credit for it. Are you here? What's the one body? You know, you don't realize how insignificant your little toe is until you ram it into a bed. And then you find out how important it is. That ever happened to you? You never think about your little... Who thinks about their pinky toe? But wait till you run it into the refrigerator door, like it did to me the other day, you know. Every part is needed. Every single part is needed. Now the body of Christ, so we finish this, if one part suffer, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you, look at your neighbors, even if you have to yell across the room, say you, you, point at somebody, you are the body of Christ and each one of you, I'll just go like that, is part of it. So you might as well stop running from this. You are part of something. God needs you, and you need to hurry up and find out what is your part, because this is going to get really exciting in the next few months, I believe, with all my heart. Amen? I'm not finished, but we're going to stop right there. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Hope you got out of something. I want to pray for you this afternoon, I mean this morning, pray for those online. And um, my prayer is really simple right now. First of all, I look around this crowd at most, if not everybody's born again. And, you know, we have a small crowd, a lot of people out. But if you're watching online, I don't know who's watching online. I didn't check. I, I just want to do it. But, you know, don't just say, okay, I'm saved. I don't have to pray. You know, maybe you're not where you need to be. Go ahead and pray it. You know, maybe you're not tracking completely where God called you to be. You know, pray, pray this prayer, and then, and then I'll pray this prayer over you. And I really believe God's going to show up in your life this week in an amazing, amazing way. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus. I stand before you as someone that needs you. I invite you into my life. And I ask you to take my life and hide it in your life. I ask you to baptize me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me. And today, I know that I'm a child of God. Amen. Now, this is my prayer. I just want you to receive it. It is a heartfelt prayer. I've been thinking about this for a couple of days. That my, really my desire is for every one of you to blossom into what God called you to do, into your full capacity of your gifts, your calling, and especially the Holy Spirit. Especially the Holy Spirit using you, moving you, 
wherever you walk, wherever you trek in life. So Father, I pray for our church. I pray for our online audience. I pray for our in-house audience. I pray for those that will go back to the podcast and listen to this message because Father, in today's world, the church doesn't have to be in a building. We don't all have to be here with the online. It's a different world, Father. But the church hasn't changed. And I just pray, Father, for everyone right now that they will find what they've been called to do, that they will discover there's a gift in them, a passion, a desire, a dream that only you and them know about, that I don't know about, but every calling and every gifting, my prayer by the Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that every gift that has been dormant, every gift that has been maybe placed on standby or, or a gift that maybe was there but came because of discouragement or life issues, Father, no, 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 we revive that gift this morning that we are the body of Christ and the Holy Spirit will move within us like never before and signs, wonders, and miracles will follow wherever we are. Father, it doesn't matter if we're standing in line in the bank or at Walmart or at Stripes or in the building. We have you, Holy Spirit. And it doesn't matter if we're the little finger, if we're the nail on the little toe, we are all needed in this. So I pray, Father, that this message stirs up people. Like you said to Timothy, like Paul wrote to Timothy, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. And I pray right now that gifts are being stirred, desires are being stirred. And Father, for those that their only calling is to finance this thing, I pray immense prosperity to invade their homes. For those that are called to the mission field, for those that are called to teach and preach, for those that are called, Father, to be greeters, to be ushers, to those that are called to keep your house clean. Father, there's so many callings into the prison ministry and to other ministries that that we used to have that are not running right now. Lord, I'm asking you, show us the gifts, God. And let's bring everything back to where it needs to be. That this church, starting today to the end of the year, will be just saturated. I'm releasing my faith, guys, with signs, wonders, and miracles. If you need a miracle in your life right now, raise your hand to heaven. It can have whatever name it has. A dream, by the way, it's not it have to be a crisis. Maybe it has a dream in your life, Father. For every hand that is up right now, we want to just this is the church, and Lord, this church is in harmony, this church is in fellowship. I know that there's no strife, there's no schisms in this body, and I thank you for that. So, right now, miracles the environment is open for miracles to come forth, signs and wonders, healing miracles, Father, marriage miracles, miracles over your marriage, over your relationships over those child, those children that are running from God. No, we are one body, and we stretch forth, and we reach, and I release my faith, and we bring those prodigals back home. And if that's you, I'm telling you right now, get ready. I believe in God for your kids right now. I use my faith. This is Pastor, I don't have any faith. Don't worry, we got corporate faith. That's the power of a church. We release our faith into your life. Those kids will come home, and they will come home changed. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that fill this week for those that are traveling. Father, for those that are going on vacations, our covenant prayers and covenant protection. Just because they're away somewhere across the country or in another country, Lord, they're still part of our body. So we bless them. We love them. We let them, Father, we encourage them. But I give you glory for this service this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Everybody said Amen, amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap. God bless you. Glory to God.
You may be seated. I want to, just a couple things, and we'll, I'll get you out of here really, really quick. As you know, I have a second service following this one in Laredo. You guys are a good practice run for Laredo. So I get warmed up here, then I go. So it's pretty amazing, though, because even though I preach the same thing, it's always different. It always comes, it's always like, you know, the Holy Spirit just adds little different things. So as you know, um, we have two of my covenant friends and brothers in, in the Lord and coming in the next 30 days. And of, of course, the first one is Pastor Dan Stratton and, and his wife, um, Pastor Annie. If you haven't met him, you can't miss this because, especially her, she's New Yorker all the way. He's not, a new, he's not an original New Yorker. He's from Minnesota, but he's a transplant New Yorker. But, she, but, but Pastor Annie, she's Italian New Yorker. You're going to love Pastor Annie. Now, I don't know. Here's the thing I was going to tell you. Because of, of the way we planned it, I'm not, I'm not even sure if Pastor Annie's going to come to this service, but she will be at two. It's going to be a healing service in Laredo. Why am I saying this? Because, you know, if you know if you need a healing miracle, if you know somebody, this would be such a good opportunity to do what I just preached. Maybe there's somebody in your inner circle that is just struggling with sickness and disease and, you know, that kind of thing, and say, look, man, it's worth our ride. Let's go to Laredo, 2 o'clock. That's a healing service. Now, it's going to be great here. Don't misunderstand me. But the thing I want to encourage you is, as we pick up this morning's offering, you know, those pastors, now, Dan is not a guy that does it for the money. Nope. I don't invite anybody that does it for the money, by the way. All the people that come here, I know what they're made out of. And I, I'll tell you, all the people that I invite, I am so confident, and H knows most of them pretty well, that if I said, look, I need you to come to my church, and I can't pay, I can't give you an offering, and I can't pay for your airline, but I need you to come, I think most of them would come. That's the kind of people we run with. Because some people are like, oh, no, if you don't cover for my expenses, no. But at the same time, we're not that, you know. So please pray about, you know, we got a couple weeks, you know, we do, we, we do pay for the airlines, we pay for the hotels, we pay for the meals. And obviously, you know, summer is, is, is historically, now I'm not in agreement with this, I, I believe this church can break that, but every church in America, their finances always dip in the summer. Why? Because people are in a different wavelength, you know, a lot of people don't come, and when people don't come, because they don't give, and when they don't give, well, obviously, because this church, as I tell you all the time, and, and, and for the sake of those watching us online, we are not part of any big organization. You know, yes, I have my pastor, we're connected to, to but there's no... There's no money coming from anybody except you guys. This is it. Whatever this church does, it's you. That's it. You know, myself and everyone. You know, I, I'm also part of it. I'm not. So pray about, you know, pray about. But just, you know, get before God about that tithe. Get before God about what kind of seed you So We want to honor Pastor Dan is the one that's coming up the quickest. Pastor Elson will, won't be till the end of the month. I mean, 1st of August, actually. But, you know, we want to honor him. So I would ask of you, you know, starting today and next Sunday and then finally the third they'll be here two Sundays obviously July 11th Sunday July 11th you know pray about it you know don't 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 just haphazardly you know let's honor the man of God and at the same time you're taking care of the church because here's what happens you know we kind of carry a budget I'll tell you how it works we carry a budget and and none of these are secrets if you ever want to know numbers you talk to Kathy and she has full authority to release numbers because it's your money you know that's not What's our money? Let me put it this way, because we're all in together. There's no secrets. There's no, you know, we got an accountant. Everything is done to the book. But my point is, you know, if when Dan comes and if things stay normal, then we have to pull from general fund because we're still going to pay for his airline. We're still going to give him an offering. That's not going to change. So I just ask, you know, pray about it and, and consider this. You know, you are blessing these men of God. You know, it's not for us. And that's a good seed also. That's good ground. You know, Pastor Dan, you know, they're in the thick of it. Oh, my gosh. You know, New York is so dark, you know. And his church is right smack in the middle of, of Manhattan. It's a few blocks away from the New York Stock Exchange. 
few blocks away from the World Trade Center, well, the new one. Um, you know, uh, it's he's right there, and it's so secularized, and, and my heart goes out to him because you talk about dark areas in there. So, you know, do what you can. Again, God loves what kind of giver? So don't act, don't look at me like you're jury duty. Y'all know what to do. Put the information on the screen. Come on, I'm not going to say nothing else. If there's an envelope, if, you want to, if you're still doing paper giving, I mean, still doing, if you're doing uh, checks or so forth, there should be an envelope near, nearby. And if you're doing online, your instructions are there. And again, thank you guys so much for your generosity because I'm still amazed. You know, still amazed what we do with what we get. You know, we're still blessing Cuba. We haven't sent a lot of money lately because it's been a little tight on our end. Um, but, you know, we do what we can. We did send a lot of money a month ago, lots of it. You know, Jerry Seville Ministries also sent us a very, very gracious donation for Cuba. It wasn't for us. It went straight to Cuba. But, um, so Cuba's doing good. And, and But again, you know, if that's on your heart, we'll just put it there on the drop-down menu or on your paper, and we'll make sure it gets there. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I'll get you out of here. And we will see you all next week. Y'all enjoy the service this morning? All right. Praise God. I'm, I'm excited. I am. I believe every one of you is going to have all these opportunities this week. You can say, that's what Pastor said right there. Father, we just thank you for the word. We thank you for the life that's shed upon this church. And I do thank you for faith, we God, because we're not a religious organization. Yes, we are according to the law, but we're not in heart. We are a relationship church where we believe in, in each other. And again, Father, I call them blessed. As they go through their week, Lord, let them see your glory. Let them see these little things that you do. Sometimes they're very small. Sometimes they're huge. But they're going to see your glory. They're going to see their part. They're going to see that this message that I ministered to them is as real as it gets. Let them be a huge blessing. Until I see them again, I pray the peace of God that passes all understanding. I thank you for the seed that's being sown. I thank you that the budgets are met for Pastor Dan, for Pastor Elson, but also for our, our budgets here locally. And once again, Lord, I call them blessed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, bless somebody as you leave, and we'll see you all next week. God bless you. Thank you.